Hello, welcome once again to This Week in the Ancient Near East, the podcast that takes archaeology exactly as seriously as it deserves. I'm Alex Jaffe, director of the Bob and Ray Institute of Archaeology at the University of Southern North Dakota at Hoople. With me once again are two real academics from actual institutions, Professor J.P. Dessel of the University of Tennessee and Professor Rachel Hallett of the State University of New York at Purchase. We're coming to you from the Friedan Center for Women's Studies here on the beautiful Hoople campus. Today we're talking about a new article on an extraordinary burial from Copper Age Spain, roughly 3200 to 2500 BCE, of an individual aged approximately 17 to 25 interred with extraordinary grave goods like an elephant tusk and a rock crystal dagger. An analysis of tooth peptides, those are short amino acids to you and me, however, suggests that this extraordinary individual was a woman and not a man. This and nearby burials of women lead the excavators to conclude that Copper Age Spain was a matriarchy. So how do archaeologists go from a single tooth to reconstructing an entire society. Is the idea of patriarchy, which we now know is a society run by Kens from their Mojo Dojo Casa houses, simply so accepted by archaeologists for our own cultural reasons that the suggestion of matriarchy stands out for its novelty? But do these concepts have any relevance at all for prehistory? All we know is, and we cannot stress this enough, is that our listener should not, under any circumstances, play around with a substance known as cinnabar. Okay, so here we are back in our in our usual in our usual spots. Um, should we do a lightning round? Let's do a lightning round. Isn't okay. that the isn't that the highlight? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It's all downhill after the lightning round. Well, <laughs> that's that's very true. Okay, favorite. Queen or princess? Ooh, could be real or imaginary. Ooh, we'll just you know widen the field a little bit. Oh, yeah, interesting. interesting. That's interesting. Okay, right. Rachel. Um, I'll I will say uh, Kate. Oh, look at you, boy! Yeah. That's very contemporary. Right on track. Yeah, see that was easy. And you? Gosh. I guess the band. The oh. band? Oh, the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took that, us a minute. We'll accept that. <laughs> Cause I, cause the really... judges it took a while to get back to me through the earpiece. But... I guess. I, I'm trying to. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a, that's go a good answer. Uh, not the band, but Queen. Yeah. Right, right. Um. I don't know. I, I was thinking either Princess Grace or uh, Prince oh. or, or or Queen Victoria. Oh, yeah. dowdy yeah. colonialist! Come on, <laughs> uh, reigned for seven hundred and fifty years, collected all the all the the big jewels. 
She's a winner. <laughs> spread her spread her genes throughout all the royal families of Europe. Yeah, I'm saying yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to picture that. Thank as you. big L's, I see L's across the board. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is something you can't you can't impute to your selection, actually. No. Um, we are the champions. We are the champions. <laughs> you beat me to that. <laughs> done. Well, thanks very much, everybody. We'll be here all week. <laughs> be sure to tip your your waitress. Try try the veal. Um. So, what are we talking about? Well, this brings us <laughs> seamlessly and linearly to Copper Age Spain. <laughs> and that's Somewhere the first be- thing I really want to note. It's really nice that the term Copper Age has really been revivified because right. you know. We don't have we have Bronze Age, but we don't really talk about the Copper Age. Very we talk true. About the Calcolithic, but the Calcolithic is a term that yeah. I think really is so much snazzier than the Copper Age. Right, right. That's no, true. Copper Age is good. And 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 let's be honest that our Levantine early Bronze Age has no bronze exactly exactly <laughs> he says sotto voce you're not supposed to tell we are bronzeless <laughs> so yeah um you know big points for truth in advertising there iberian archaeologists yes yeah. right all right so does someone want to give a little pricey oh sure <laughs> The time, um, <laughs> the Copper Age. <laughs> maybe with the disclaimer that, while well, speaking for myself, but maybe speaking for all of us, we don't really know that much about the archaeology of Spain. Um, never stopped us before. What it's never about- stopped us. It's irrelevant and never admit. Well, well what we know about, we started our very first episode was on like medieval soap. Well, that's true. <laughs> what do we know about soap? And what we, exactly. But we knew the region where the medieval soap came from. All right. No oh, more disclaimers. All right. No all right. The tapas restaurants. So there's this burial. This <laughs> burial um, found in Val- southwest Spain. Valencina. Right. Mm-hmm. Which was excavated back in 2008. And um, it's a single burial, uh, not a multiple burial. Uh and um, it was originally known as the Ivory Man, but it turns why? out why? why the Ivory Man is, is the person made of ivory? No, <laughs> no, no, it's because of the soap. <laughs> That's right. So that he soap. Or, or turned or possibly she was the figure on the ads. <laughs> okay, um, good point. Good point. Um, right. In this case, actually, it had to do with I think the African elephant tusk found uh, within within the burial and, maybe and lots of other bone uh, um ivory or not oh, lots gosh. but other ivory objects okay okay i didn't make a full list here i hope you did um ceramics a crystal a crystal dagger with an ivory pummel that sounds very much like out of dune and all sorts of copper objects it is the right. copper age after all a small copper all among them ceramic uh, plates right with remnants of wine and cannabis, apparently. Yes. Um, pieces of flint. And that exhausts my list. Cinnabar. Cinnabar. Right. We'll, come, we'll come back to the cinnabar, we'll I think. Uh, but the, the the cool thing now is that that um, 
the assumption was, and I suppose based on regular um, anthropological analysis. Hold uh, it. I want to. I want to stop right there. Firstly, this okay. is a great. It's a great discovery. It's a great article. It's great analysis. But but every these archaeologists who keep saying anthropological analysis, there's no anthropological analysis. It's the assumption that any elite burial is a male. That's it. There's no okay, analysis. But, right, and they didn't have hips. Yeah, they, they can look at skulls and they can look at hips, and that's usually how they determine sex. Yeah, but they didn't have enough to do that, they, and they just right. made the assumption. There's no right. analysis. Okay, fair. Very fair point, right. So so if I may continue. So it was a, it was a human... <laughs> that they distinguish from the elephant tusk <laughs> between okay. the age and i think this is an important point it is 17 to 25 that's right 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 that's correct just want and to throw that out there a young Human. cannabis wine enthusiast <laughs> cinnabar who cinnabar guru <laughs> cloaking herself in cinnabar basically a a gen Z or millennial, or whatever the most recent iteration is. Good point. All right. If I may explain the science of this. <laughs> I'm going to get some coffee now. <laughs> um, they can now determine determine sex based on sexually dimorphic, amyl I got to pronounce this right, amylogenin peptides in tooth enamel. Who knew? Uh, who knew? Who knew? And oh, from no this- one knew until quite recently that teeth had this gender reveal right. <laughs> right. the big the big pink balloons all of a sudden start popping <laughs> when they right. run it through the that's what they should have done they should have exactly. had a huge gender reveal <laughs> on, on instagram or tiktok or something like that right they should have but they they didn't they Maybe. did use the this 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 person's upper right third molar for this analysis and I spent an inordinate amount of time figuring out a little bit of the science of this because I was really lost by this. Um, because the first article I read simply was referring to um, uh, to the fact that um, it, it, females have have this um, enamel and uh, this this peptide, um, but but then so do males because it's in the XX chromosomes. I mean, it's in the X chromosomes. So men also have an X chromosome. But I figured it out. Okay, in um, in females, um, this uh, peptide, this amylogenin gene, is longer, um, and in males, it's shorter. So that explained it for ah. me. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm still a little bothered, but that they only had one sample from one tooth. But that's just me. But that's um, all you need. I guess that's all you need. But I also, um, and I turn to. I'm going to admit this. I turn to Chat GPT to ask some of these science oh. questions. And um, one of my follow-up questions is, couldn't it be a fluke that they found a longer fragment that happened to be in this one sample? And ChatGPT responded, yes, you're absolutely correct. Um, when so you now we're taking answers from robots? Correct. Um, <clears throat> so there is potential for mistakes, um, uh, but okay, okay. Um, I have other things to say about it anyway. Tandem mass spectrometry makes no mistakes. Okay. Um, it's a very cool thing that they can determine this now from tooth enamel. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So in other words, it's not the ivory again. man, it's the ivory woman. And and now we're referring to it as as such. Okay. Now let's get to the to the heart of the matter here. Okay. The the crux of the biscuit. The crux that's it. The crux of the biscuit. This is a burial unlike any other 
in in uh, fourth or third, probably even second millennia, Spain, Iberia. Right. It's a it's an incredible tomb with only one person in it, with all the grave goods that we've already enumerated. There is a upper and lower part of this burial. So first this woman was interred, and then there was a second layer in which more um, you know, prestige items, grave goods were deposited. Including a crystal dagger with an ivory handle with beads on the handle. Yeah. More ivory stuff too. Exactly. And more of these trays, these ceramic trays and all, all, all right. the other things that we've mentioned. And in association with the later or upper phase of burial, a hundred meters away is another large and impressive tomb filled with 22 people. Is it 22? Something like 20. that. Total 20 individuals. and 20 in the big chamber. And right. 15 of whom are females. Right. right, and the rest are indeterminate, but believed to be females. And uh, this was done three to four generations after the burial of the ivory, of the ivory lady. Right, so, and at the, as as you said, at the same time as the upper level of offerings. Right. So all of this evidence is being used to to sort of uh, put forward a really interesting idea, uh, and and with support that we have some kind of uh, matriarchy here. And matriarchy is a, a subject that has been raised for the better part of 40 or 50 years. Um, I can't remember her first name, but you know who I'm talking about, Giambutas. Maria um, Gimbutas. Oh, yeah, right. who first or most robustly put forward the idea of a matriarchy and in, in uh, Iron Age Europe, uh, or actually earlier, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Neolithic, uh, Neolithic Europe. Yeah. yeah, Neolithic Europe. And uh, and now we have evidence that can, that sort of supports this idea of early complex society, not just being dominated by males, but also being uh, run, organized, uh, led by females. And See, now I don't want to be, I don't want to be a stick in the mud here. <laughs> I've won so the bet. I'm going to let all the chuckling settle down first. Um, I so here's what they said about this 17 to 25 year old um, <clears throat> that the prominent social position was uh, was by merit and personal achievement, and it was not inherited. Okay. Let's before yeah. we start. Okay, so I yeah. think you know I think there's a bunch of these things there's, that need a little bit of unpacking, deconstruction. Absolutely. Um, absolutely, but I completely agree. There's a lot of there's a lot of sloppy inference building. Correct. <laughs> excitement of the fines, but right. the fines do speak for themselves. And there's something I, going on. There's exactly that. There's something oh, yeah. going on, and that there is some kind of emphasis on female leadership. And, uh, you know, sort of the most elite person around being a woman. Yeah. And I think, that, I think that having documentation of that and thus and then building inferences out of that is, is pretty damn significant because we've been saddled with these patriarchal models for a long time. And, uh, you know, 
Well, it's interesting though that if you look at at um, Near Eastern prehistory, as I've had the good fortune to be spending part of my summer doing, it talks a lot about shamans and shamanism and priests and priesthoods, but in the last twenty years, everybody is hedging about uh, you know gender specificity, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> at least in in the the Natufian period where there are some very particular burials, or as we have renamed it as of last episode, the Nafludian period. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Professor Dussel. Um, the, the significant person in, uh, was, a uh, was a woman. Right. That was, mm-hmm. that was buried. So I can't speak to the totality of Iberian archeology span and archeological theorizing, but I think that at least implicitly in the Near East, Western Asia, people are starting to kind of get away from uh, totalizing or or explicit uh, patriarchal thinking and looking at the data and <clears throat> kind of I mean, hedging or, you know. Yeah, something. but I think that, I think that that's really significant because for such a long time, everybody made all of these assumptions and no one challenged them and there was no good evidence. And now we have new, exciting evidence. And now all of these teeth from from the Philippian <laughs> periods later can be analyzed and we can figure out who's actually being buried, what at least their sex. And we can start maybe developing more nuanced thoughts about, you know, these early either neolithic kinds of societies with rudimentary higher hierarchies or you know yeah. social complexity kinds of sites in the in the fourth and third millennia and that's so, very exciting um but yeah the inferences in this and again this stuff is now just being reported so yeah. i'm not going to hold you know i'm not going to hold these guys yeah there's a lot of there's fire. a lot of enthusiasm exactly <laughs> there's a lot of coming through um, but, I have uh, to interrupt with two two important insertions right here, um, which is I hope our listener has seen the Barbie movie where Ken discovers after leaving Barbie land, Ken discovers the concept of patriarchy. Um, and I think that's a very important and relevant movie for this conversation. That's number one. But number two is um, the... Um, you might have heard me express some some uh, some doubt about the scientific very idea of, of this one tooth being, you know, showing that this is a female. However, when I read farther and heard that this adjacent burial has 15 women, has the majority of women, and that that is contemporaneous with the second level of offerings, that kind of clinched it, right? Because people who are doing something with women in this other tomb, giving women a multiple uh, important burial, are the same people potentially who are interested in this slightly older ancestor who was also a she. So um, that kind of made- Yeah, there's there's something going on. Yeah. These women were special. These women were special, right. And- Okay, I, I think that's pretty incontrovertible. Yeah, uh, I and mean, they were not not just special. Let's not. I mean, let's not. Well, I know, but I want to. I, I want to hear these, what your these how, women how to specify were, what their roles were. Okay, but were we don't know what anyone. Okay, these women were elite. I think we can say that. Okay, 
And as far as roles, you know, roles, we, we often really don't know what roles are. And roles are often very amorphously stated to be religious or political or usually both. And we've talked a lot about how religion is permeates all of these ancient societies and how religion and politics are inextricably linked. Um, and so I, I don't think we can be ever too specific about roles, especially well, I think in, in the absence of some sort of documentation that that actually explains the political structure. Um, but we've never, but we've never held anyone's feet to the flame regarding the assumption that it's always been males. We've never said, "Oh, what are their roles?" And we just no, no. I, I mean, right, right. Right. this is a this is a classic problem in in prehistoric archaeology, right. which is what right. this is basically. Right. Yeah. But the the authors are saying that this is that this is an evidence of leadership. That right, and that's that's, that's not my. Thing. I'm not. Yeah, you know that's yeah. that's their interpretation, and their interpretation is matriarchy, which is, um, you know, an entire society structured in a particular way. And I want, I want to unpack these things. Yeah, um, that's all. Yeah, yeah, I want to unpack them too. Um, <laughs> and I'll start. With... I just unpacked. More on that. He's not gonna. You can't unpack twice. So. Um, I want to start with with the assumption that they're making that that um, social status wasn't inherited because be, and their their argument was that no infants no infant burials have been found yeah, with no children and right and I think that's really not the right no children with grave goods with ch children with stuff correct right. 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 So so but there are many reasons that infants and children are, are often buried without stuff because they're not full members of society yet. And especially infants in a lot of societies, they're not they don't have full status, you know, right. until they prove themselves and live. If they and die when they're too young, they just, you know, you bury them very simply. Um, so that's that's not a starting point for saying that social status wasn't inherited. Um, you know, you can you can get there from other ways, but that's not a good way. Well, um, I, I want to understand how the, a 17 to 25-year-old female or, or male or anybody mm -hmm. achieves leadership status in, in a society at a site that is 450 hectares, which is ginormous, as, as we say. So... Okay, well, well, what do you have to, what do you have to do? Well, again, to, to get that, I think job? You're taking these inferences a little too seriously <laughs> at a very early juncture in the whole analysis and mm -hmm. reconstruction of the site and everything else, right? So, for instance, one thing that immediately sprung to my mind is, is the notion of heterarchy, and sort of maybe, you know, revivifying this term, which. For reasons that are a little bit unclear to me, came into fashion, justifiably so, and then pretty quickly went out of fashion. And at a heterarchy, you mean we can't find, the, we don't understand the hierarchy, so we're going to call it heterarchical. Well, because no, just that there's a lot of these small scale that there are a lot of small scale, you know, institutions that are all moving it's a lot. In, it's a lot against of each other with complementing, contradicting, vying for power, cooperating. All of these things are part of a, you know, big. Swiss watch kind of thing. In and I think that when I, when, what, what? 
a melange. A melange. Back to Dune. And um, when I thought of a 450-hectare site and one massive, incredible, highly focused burial, um, I thought, oh, yeah, this suggests that there's a lot of stuff going on. And we're just at the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. we're, we're not going to be able to put all of this together in any kind of reasonable way until there's much more excavation and, you know, much more analysis and interpretation because it's a huge site. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, well, it's as big as Uruk and it's, you know, one of its largest iterations and right. say that is like a huge thing. When we think about Uruk in the early dynastic period, we're thinking like, Oh my God, it's so, complex and so huge and so amazing and it and it is so apparently in, in one sort of way it's very hierarchical um and here we have an equally large site and we have some really complicated things going on if nothing else um you know we have these very prestige oriented kinds of commodities like wine and cannabis and cinnabar which is quite the heady melange. Should we talk about the cinnabar? Yeah. Yeah, let's. How can we not? <laughs> <laughs> um, how many of us really knew what cinnabar was before today? Yeah. Not, not, not I. Not I. <laughs> I thought it was like an ingredient in in cinnamon toast crunch or something. <laughs> Which, for the listener's benefit, do not put cinnabar on your cereal. It's like the worst thing you could do. Yeah, it's Although naturally it nice, occurring mercury nice ore, right? With with a sort of particular bright red. Um, what what's the dye? What's the uh, colorant that comes from it? Um, vermilion. Yes, vermilion. Right. Yeah, it's one of the okay. most mellifluous words around. It's vermilion. True. Vermilion. Thanks, vermilion. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's uh, it's it's a thing, and it's apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well let's let's be a little and more specific and it's all over the iberian peninsula it is in it is it, it, it is it's i never knew how tied into the iberian peninsula mercury was yeah yeah and and we should point out what i want to point out is that uh this burial and also the multiple burial with the majority female skeletons uh they were all exposed to mercury while they were alive Correct. So, right. so, so it's either, and the other article says tattooing or rubbing it on your body or all bad ideas. Do not try. <laughs> to know. Our lawyer, our lawyers have told us to read this statement, <laughs> not rub cinnabar on your body. Right. Do not tattoo yourself with it. Do not inhale it. And obviously that's the biggest thing. If they're playing around with so much cinnabar and I love the artist's rendition of the ivory lady and her yes. and her little the scene that they compose and her upper body is covered in red the thing yeah. is is that if they're playing around with so much cinnabar they're inhaling this stuff right and, right and i looked up the effects of of mercury on people of all ages so would you like me to recite some of the please. effects mm, please it's <laughs> it's the mad hatters uh <laughs> dance here loss of peripheral vision well, who needs that, really? Exactly. Pins and needles feeling, usually in the hands, feet, and around the mouth. 
Ooh. That could, you know, be a whole thing. That's Lack of tricky. coordination of movements, that could have a powerful effect on your entourage. <laughs> Impairment of speech, hearing, walking, muscle weakness. But wait, there's more. This is elementor, elemental mercury. Tremors, emotional changes, insomnia, neuromuscular change, headaches, disturbances in sensation, changes in nerve responses, poor performance on tests of mental function. <laughs> and as for other mercury compounds, skin rashes, mood swings, memory loss, mental disturbances, muscle weaknesses. This all is bad. This, all of this is to say that if these women were exposed to uh, large amounts of, of cinnabar, it, it could have been one funky little scene. <laughs> right. Right. You'd think after the first one or five or 15 died, <clears throat> um, incoherently, you know, shaking that they would go, do you think it's the cinnabar? <laughs> but, that, but, but think about things like snake handling and all of that kind of stuff, talking in tongues. I mean, th that's mm. a very powerful, mysterioso kind of reaction that could really, you know, be very powerful. Right. That's a good point. Maybe we're talking, maybe we are talking about shamanism. Maybe we're talking about, you know, Delphi Oracle type stuff. Oh, totally. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. And oh, actually yeah. there's, I believe that there is cinnabar um, that's used as a preservative in some of the, uh, the um, Ur cemetery bodies. Oh yeah. I, I think so. I have mm -hmm. to look that up, but, but regardless, maybe the cinnabar produced desired results from in these uh in these people this and in particular this one young woman at least for a little while right until kind of caught up with her yeah right. and then to backtrack in another article published in 2015 uh -huh. which is actually not referenced in all of this stuff there's this whole thing about chronic mercury exposure in late Neolithic calcolithic populations in Portugal, roughly in the same, you know, neighborhood as, as, uh, uh, Valencina. Right. And we should, we should be you know, specify here that we're talking about 3,200 to 2,500 BCE here. Yeah. We didn't say that yet. Yes. Yeah. Well, we, we always forget. Right. right. And this is slightly before that late Neolithic calcolithic. Right. So there's no, so now we have sort of a tradition of you know people playing with dangerous substances <laughs> exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. for fun and profit right and and again we want to stress nobody try this at home yeah <laughs> you will not they, be regarded as a shaman you'll be taken <laughs> to the emergency room and it's not a good idea yeah but but and yet they did it maybe yeah. they just didn't make the association or maybe they just thought some kind of Copper age cost benefit analysis. I didn't know. They just know if you if you smear this red stuff, you start playing around with the red stuff, all bets are off as to what anyone's going to say or do or their physical. Sure, mood. you look cool, kids. <laughs> right, but, but, <laughs> but the neuromuscular consequences. They, you don't think dire. they put two and two together after? I a learned while? it from you, Dad. <laughs> no, but two and two for them might have been. This is some kind of you know. This is my destiny. Religious experience. Right. That, okay. Uh, okay. So they're doing it over and over again. 
The the painful death of a 20-something is just proof that we should be smearing this stuff all over our bodies. Well, it's not the first time, and it's certainly not going to be the last time. Let's come back to the topic of of elite burial, because she clearly is. Um, And I guess the question is, um, is, you know, how did she attain her elite status? And the authors are... um, uh, the authors are saying that uh, she earned it. Um, <laughs> but, okay, but that, see, and I, I don't like to be too critical, but I thought that this was a bit of a weakness in their yeah, chain yeah. of argumentation. Yes. Um, uh, you know, what do you, if you're 17 to 25 <clears throat> of any age, how do you, uh, how do you achieve something in a, in any society, particularly a prehistoric one. Ask the Kardashians. Right. Well, <clears throat> so are these, like... are these prehistoric Kardashians? Well, I'm, I'm just saying that <laughs> there, I mean, we're famous for being, she was famous for being famous. Isn't. And so she was famous for being powerful or power came from her ability to, you know, be a, Shaman. To, sm- to smear the red stuff all over her body and remain standing. Even the Kardashians started their status because the father was like, you know, well-known. And then, you know, it, they didn't start from nothing. There there was already elite precedent in, in that family. So I think, I mean, I see this as, yeah, she's an elite burial. And yes, yeah, something's going on because these other women buried uh, nearby but I don't know that it's, um, I mean, you, you can earn status, actually. You can be a great hunter or you can be a great healer or something. You can get a, a good great orator, storyteller. Right. You can do that by age. Predictor of the future, predict, you know, interpreter of the past. Right. But, maybe you, not but, by age 17, but maybe by age 25. Um, <laughs> but I, I would think that's, that for certain of those things, Cinnabar <clears throat> consumption would be an enhancement and for some of those things it would really kind of hold you back a little bit yeah right well you know hunting on hunting on cinnabar right but obviously at a fundamental level it was an enhancement but it worked to the edge of 25 it worked yeah because she she got a burial that is you know out of sight vastly superior to anyone else's Right. So of course, well, well that, I think that's all we can say is this is an elite burial. She is very, very special, and uh, yeah. whatever she had, whatever kind of charisma, and and we want it. What, <laughs> she, you know, she had it. Um, if you if you have to ask about it, then you don't have it. <laughs> then you can't afford it. So I I think you're right. Uh, but you know that's what archaeologists do is they mm-hmm. always tend to get way ahead of their data, whether, you know, they're talking about post offices or, you know, anything oh. else. Yeah. yeah. Try to... So here we've gone from one tooth to a matriarchy. <laughs> well, you know, why is, not? Why, why See, not? I don't have any problems with that because we've been talking about patriarchy ad infinitum, ad nauseum for generations and generations and i do have problems with that though i do and as the only female on this podcast right now i i don't i think we you know i think maybe we're just saying matriarchy or people are just saying matriarchy because of modern sensibilities right so we always say things based on modern sensibilities all 
do we want to think is embedded in you know the the contemporary context but that's right, sort of right. isn't that a limitation the the uh, our emic perceptions uh, isn't our motto taking archaeology as seriously as it deserves <laughs> exactly yeah. Just exactly. What, what I want to add here is that, okay, let's just call it a matriarchy. Why not? But when did it end? When did it then become this abusive patriarchy? When did that happen? And what would be the archaeological correlates for seeing the switch? Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. <laughs> what was that little glow? Oh, <laughs> no, I had a little flashback to uh, to to the Barbie movie. All of a sudden, oh, okay, it's hilarious. You got to you got to go see. The Kens really, um, they're the most they're the funniest part of the whole movie. Yeah, that's uh, not well, the, the whole idea of matriarchy. This is what I'm saying versus patriarchy. Barbie spells this out, and and but, but maybe that. these are just maybe th these terms, these conceptions are so completely f off the mark for sure. for yeah. every part of prehistory that we have to kind of separate ourselves. And that from gets them. back to if we ever had a time machine and went back, would it look anything like our reconstructions? And I'm, right. a, I'm a very firm believer that it would look only, it would not be as we think. I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. But I just want to say also about matriarchy that, that you know, gender archaeology came into its own in the 60s when feminism was having a particular moment in Western society. And it, that as social movements, social political movements always do, it spread into academia. And uh, you know that that's where we started to talk about matriarchies as an alternate hypothesis. Um, well, I think um, Marxian archaeology and Marxism in general goes back to Engels. Um, okay. He talked a lot about this kind of this kind of stuff on a <clears throat> on the basis of nineteenth century ethnography. You know, Morgan and guys like that, um, and it's so completely not grounded in anything archaeological and mythologies and you know xeno warrior princess kind of conceptions of, of things <clears throat> i was talking specifically about i think it's second wave feminism of the of the 60s but, but all of that doesn't mean anything now now we have some data to play around with right and that's and that's the big that we difference. haven't had we have powerful or important or elite women. Right. And so how do we fit that into all of the rest of the data of Copper Age Iberia and um, you know Mediterranean, the emergence of Mediterranean civilizations as a whole and comparative blah, blah, blah. I think we have to <laughs> smear ourselves with cinnabar and kind of free our minds man yeah get away from out. these preconceptions exactly it's time to throw out the bathwater and the baby and come up with something new okay okay well first i think i'll i'll teach myself all about iberian archaeology and it's coffee. actually very interesting stuff i'm sure i'm sure um, all right so maybe maybe we're at the point of uh final thoughts i gotta go see the barbie movie yeah it's a lot of fun <laughs> um, um dr um, halloween <laughs> you guys have to stop calling me that it's <laughs> <laughs> gonna catch on you just started We're... calling me that yeah. <laughs> you started calling me that many episodes ago um oh, it hasn't been that many. 
and not that many, I guess. Right. Um, so, um, I, I don't have final thoughts yet. Alex, final thoughts. What is power? <laughs> <laughs> what is leadership? Um, um, kids stay away from the Cinnabon. <laughs> That's my final thought. Um, I think my final thought can be uh, chat GPT could have helped me with science when I was in high school. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a, there's a thought. Yeah. Something a robot would say. This whole enamel thing very nicely. Yeah. Well, and that's my final, final thought is that we wouldn't be having this discussion if, if some boffins somewhere didn't have some ginormous new machine to get new results, we would still be talking out of some part of us. Um, And science, man. Yeah. (laughs) Science, man. Exactly. Well, after this episode, I'm ready to open a big box of Cinnabar Toast Crunch and pour myself a big bowl. Actually, I've been waiting a while to use that joke. Anyway, as always, we'd like to thank Erez Dessel, Community Engagement Coordinator for the Chicago Philharmonic, for our theme music. Look for his performances in the Chicago area and follow him on Instagram at at 54BPM. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, the Dumont Television Network, a division of Yo-Yodyne Propulsion Systems. Be sure to watch Ladies Before Gentlemen, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. To get in touch, leave us a comment, hit the little heart-shaped button, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at at thisancient, that's one word, and on Facebook, contact us via email at thisweekintheancientneareast, that's also just one word, at gmail.com, or send us a postcard at P.O. Box 1177, Boston, Mass., 02134.